Shalom, everybody. We are back with another Judean roundtable here with uh, I'm Avi Abelo, and we got uh, Josh Hasting and Gedalia Bloom and Tila Fallick. How are you doing, everybody? We're doing great, Avi. Thanks for th- thanks for everybody coming on to the last Judean roundtable of the year. This is the last one. That's right. Of the of the secular 2020 year. That's true. That's a good. Uh, that's a good point. And uh, you know, it's been a while. We are here in Israel. We are back in uh, Corona lockdown. Even though it's a quasi lockdown, schools are sort of open. People can sort of go to school. Unfortunately, anyone who has a store has to close down. Any place where where people can walk in the doors has to be closed down. But here we go again. But before we talk about the the situation going in Israel, it's actually Tila asked that we speak about Esther Horgan, Hashem Yikom Dama. Um, She was just murdered, brutally murdered last week, a mother of six who just went out for a run outside of her home in in, in a forest right outside of her community that everyone uses. Um, another another victim of terror that we're living with. So why don't we just start by by talking about Esther and keeping her memory alive? Gedalia, you want to start? I mean, you know, there she she lived in the beautiful northern Shamron uh, village of uh, Talmanashe, which has a tremendous amount of French uh, Olim, French immigrants uh, that moved there, and it it is one of those beautiful biblical pastoral places, beautiful trees and hills and, and small community, everybody knew each other. And, uh, she was a, she was a mother. She was a, she was a, a wife, a mother of, of six, uh, I believe. And, uh, and an artist who was, uh, tragically taken from us. I, you know, I hate to say that I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised, obviously this We've 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 seen we've seen uh, Jewish people. We've seen people being targeted in the past simply because they they're Jewish, and uh, and unfortunately, um, you know we th- there's really no end in sight. What we have to do is remain at the same time. I find that it's hard to 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 open my heart and, and to feel every single time that this happens because it hurts. It hurts to carry on the hate, but I also want to remain a, a human being. I don't want to be a stone cold uh, statue and, and not feel it, um, but it's uh, you know, but it hurts all 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 of Am Israel, the whole world, uh, should be should be should be hurt by this and, and, and affected by this simply for one reason. One reason only is that uh, is is that somebody was 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 maliciously taken from us uh, simply because of who she was, and I think every person with any humanity in this world should not to put politics aside and just say this, this this shouldn't happen we have to stand up and we have to we have to think about esther and make sure that there's no more you know there's no more esters like this ever again there's, there's no more murders like this but it's a uh, it's, it's terrible yeah, it's, the, sooner, it's, the, the sooner the better yeah josh what are you yeah what are your it's absolutely horrible i i wrote an article about her shemi come to for jns and um, I spoke to one of her neighbors. There's actually a connection from uh, Gedalia's wife who knew uh, or knows one of her neighbors. And they just had a, uh, this family had a meal with the Horgans on Friday night, two days before she was murdered. 
Um, so I got to speak to her and learn more about who she was. Again, a mother of six, 52 years old. She went out for a power walk and never came back. And as Gadaya said, just because she was Jewish, I mean, she was a, a marriage counselor, a life coach. She loved people. She loved working with people, interacting with people. She saw the beauty, as this woman told me, she saw the beauty of everybody inside and outside. Just a phenomenal person and a, and a horrible, horrible loss. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to call anybody who gets murdered in a terror attack uh, just another number because, thank God, overall, this 2020, you know, less people were murdered in terror attacks this year, I think, than any other year, if I'm not mistaken, in a very, very long time. But that being said, uh, one is one too many for me, and uh, it should not be accepted, and we won't accept it. And uh, we'll continue, Avi, as you know, uh, your sister and other women in the communities uh, throughout Yudav Shimon, Judea, and Samaria in Esther Horgan's memory led different events this week. They went out and they jogged and they ran in their communities uh, as a sign of uh, memorializing Esther Horgan, as a sign of saying that we are not going to live here in fear. And I think that that was an amazing message that these women and these girls did uh, by going out in their communities. Uh, I think it was at night showing they're not going to be scared. We're not going to be scared. We're going to continue. We know our path is right. We know our path is just. And this is, uh, this is the Jewish state, and we're going to keep on going. So on one hand, I got to know a little bit about Esther herself. On the other hand, I see the response from our neighbors and friends and family who say, that we are going to continue to live here. So that, that was inspirational this week, um, unfortunately, with a, with a terrible loss behind it. Yeah, and I, I'd love to get uh, Tila's feedback when she's able to join us and tell us her, her thoughts about hearing about uh, Esther's horrendous and brutal murder. Um, one thing is, again, I try to I, I, I try my best to bridge the the physical because we're physical beings beings with the metaphysical and the spiritual side of ourselves and life. And my message always is, all right, we we miss the, we miss the people, we miss the people who are killed, we miss the people who are murdered. But yet we have to hold on to the to the to their spirit that that we're supposed to help keep alive, even though they're physically not with us. And I actually made a movie, a, a video this week about Esther that I titled Latest Terror Victims Words of Advice for Us All. Because uh, following um, what Josh was just saying, Esther was a marriage counselor. And Sivan Ravmeir made a beautiful post bringing some of her words of advice for couples. So I'll just share some of those words of advice because this is how we can all keep Esther's memory and spirit alive. By, by implementing this really important and, and mind-blowing advice that's so simple, but each and every one of us who are married, I believe, will internalize this and go, oh, yeah, for sure. So I'll just share this to help keep Esther's memory, not just keep her memory alive, but we can keep her spirit alive, so everyone watching and listening. So the three points of advice that uh, that Sivan Ravnier wrote about was that, that Esther said is, one, happiness in marriage is not the result of chance or luck, but fruit born of thought, hard work, and cooperative effort. We don't wait for such happiness, but invite it to come inside. It is the guest of honor. If we treat it properly, happiness will return and visit us again. Happiness in marriage is a craft that needs to be learned. So powerful and so such a beautiful concept. Then uh, point number two, advice. And again, anyone, if you're married, you know people are married, send this information to your people or ask me for the video. I can send it to you or I talk about it. 
So point number two from Esther is there were Greek philosophers who claimed that family life is an obstacle to personal intellectual development. Those in leadership positions were exempt from marriage and only the simple citizens were required to marry and raise a family. Well, Judaism sees marriage differently. Marriage life is a microcosm of human interaction in the world at large. Marriage is the best school for learning the laws of human relationships. Every couple that succeeds in creating peace in the home advances the cause of peace everywhere. Marriage harmony has a positive influence on harmony throughout the world. The value of a good marriage extends beyond the two people involved. Again, mind-blowing. And again, anyone who knows about Judaism studies, Judaism studies the importance of marriage in our Jewish lifestyle can understand this, but it's really powerful. And finally, this third piece of advice, it is, it is impossible to understand how to govern the world without first learning how to govern ourselves, how to manage feelings of impatience, pride, jealousy, anger, sadness, and fear. A person is not measured by intellectual ability, but by emotional refinement. True success is the fruit of self-improvement, of tireless work on ourselves. So those, I believe, are three powerful pieces of advice that all of us should be thinking about, should implement, it should implement. And definitely, if there's one way each and every one of us can keep Esther Horgan's memory alive, it's by internalizing these fabulous pieces of relationship advice so that we can all be better people and have uh, better relationships, not just for our relationships, but to improve the world. So uh, Tila, love to hear your, your thoughts about to talk about Esther and keep her memory alive. I think all of you have uh, more firsthand knowledge and information of who she was and can bring her home as an individual. For me, it's more who she represents and what she represents. Being a Jewish woman, regardless of where she is or where she was running or where she was living. I think what's very important here is that for me, I was offended. I was offended by the reaction or lack of reaction that people had. I know that there's Corona. I know there's issues with elections, both in Israel and the United States. I know people are very self-involved with their children and their homes and their financial situations right now. And I respect that, but I was offended that I didn't hear an outpour of screaming and crying against this type of horrific act. And actually I did take to Facebook and said, where are all the activists? Where are all the people who were so quick to jump onto the Black Lives Matter or onto the Women's March or onto so many other bandwagons that are such controversial issues. And here, uh, until I posted it, I didn't see anybody else. And I do have thousands of friends on Facebook. I didn't see anybody else say a word. It struck a conversation, which I thought was important. People were offended to the fact that I would even draw a, compa a comparison. My point isn't to draw a comparison of what kind of a horrific act it was and whether or not one compares to the other. My point is to bring attention to the fact that a woman, a Jewish woman was killed for absolutely no reason by a, t a ter terrorist attack in Israel. And I didn't hear a word. I didn't hear anybody screaming about anti-Semitism or about women's rights or about any type of racial issues that this may or may not compare to. So for me, I am very bothered by the way people are reacting to this kind of a horrific act because to me, a life is a life is a life, no matter who they are, where they live, 
where what they come from or what their religious beliefs are or what the color of their skin is in that matter. We now see the influx of so many beautiful Ethiopian Jews coming into Israel. I don't think Israel is a racist country, but I do feel like in the United States, so many of our liberal friends, Jewish and not Jewish alike, were very quick to support the Black Lives Matter movement, which happens to be anti-Semitic on their platform, happens to be super racist, happens to have all kinds of hatred within themselves, and nobody said a word when it came to this woman. So I'm actually offended by that, and I'm upset that people didn't have more to say and that it wasn't a bigger issue. I understand Corona has people preoccupied, but when it came to political protests, both in Israel and the United States, people had no problem going out and wearing a mask. So where are you know, they? Where are you? You know, Tila, to that, you know, you know, to that point, I, you know, because you say you're offended, I, I would actually say that maybe you shouldn't be so offended at their, their inactivity. But instead, I think that what what is most likely the truth, and of course, I'm generalizing because I don't think everybody might feel this way, but I think that there's a, a, a general idea of discrimination of low expectations for the Arabs. And I think that the inactivity or the, or the, or the lack of speaking out against Arab terror is because they're, they're, they're looking at these communities and saying, well, that's what they do. It's like a dog, it's like a dog barking or a dog biting somebody. Like, oh, dogs bite and bark, so we're not going to make a big deal out of it. And because they're expected to act that way. And I think that's the biggest issue that we're seeing today is that these quote-unquote left-wing uh, liberals who are fighting for equal justice and, and, and for Black Lives Matter and all these other, other organizations, I think what, what they look at us at a much higher standard because they actually have more of a, of, of, of a you know, higher standard for, for expectations for us. But the expectations for the Arabs, on the other hand, are, are extremely low. So when they kill us, they, that's what they do. They've been killing us forever. Right, nothing changes. So why should we make a big deal out of every time an Arab kills a Jew? And I think that I think it's worse than all of that. I just really think that Jewish blood is cheap. And if a Jewish person gets killed, it wasn't because they were a Jew. They must have done something else, or something else was wrong. Here, she was a settler, so maybe that's a good justification. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but um, I, I felt the same way when the Fogel family was killed. I felt the same way when Ari was killed. I. I I am bothered not just by the lack of attention outside of Israel, but in Israel too. People are very busy protesting outside the prime minister's office. And I all the power to them if that's what they want to do, even though I think it's completely inappropriate, especially during Corona. But where, where is there, where's the activism when somebody in your own community gets killed in such a terrible way? Where is everybody? Well, where I would are we? Say, I would say outside, well, first of all, outside of Israel, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, you know, when you talk about anti-Semitism and organizations who combat or are supposed to be combating anti-Semitism, when they put together their statistics, they do not include uh, terror attacks in Israel. Those are not part of, they're not considered uh, anti-Semitic attacks, even though, like, you know, this woman was murdered because she was Jewish, but she doesn't even make the list of anti-Semitic anti incidents. And just to respond to, to, to Hila, I, I would agree that, you know, the whole country didn't come out and, and protest and, and show their, uh, and show their um, feelings towards what happened. But I, I don't know if Tila heard the first part. I will say that, you know, there were these uh, brave and courageous women 
uh, these wonderful activists in the communities. It definitely didn't happen in enough cities and enough places throughout Israel, but there are these, uh, these women who went out and show that they were not going to be afraid. Um, that's why I, th I personally thought it was so important to write about it because uh, I, th I thought a lot of people, and I know a lot of uh, different publications in the States picked it up in a lot of different places, but there was some, some activity. Certainly, I would agree, people did not stop as a whole, whether in Israel or, or certainly outside of Israel, where you're not getting the information and did not make a bigger deal about it. So... It's a very it's a very complex issue because I mean you know you know for me personally I'll be quick is that I I don't look at this maybe it's all maybe I'm also uh, discriminating because I have low expectations but we've seen this over and over and over again and I'm wondering where our, our government is and why why the security apparatus within Judea and Samaria is 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 not where it should be we have you know organizations like you know One Israel Fund. Who are raising money for for you know for security projects for these East Ravine for these communities? Why why are organizations filling the gaps? Why why are they doing? Where's the government? Where's our security apparatus? I know they do a great job overall, and they have to be a hundred percent right. But there needs to be some sort of like, you know, we can't just bulldoze a room in a house of a terrorist of where they slept and leave everything else there. We need to bulldoze the the whole village. I mean, this is a this is a systemic uh, issue here. This isn't an individual, you know, you know, individually motivated uh, terror attack. This this has full support all the way to the top, as we know that Mahmoud Abbas is the you know is is spending about a third, about thirty three percent of their GDP on pay to slay. This isn't some you know some some side hustle that this is a major part of their infrastructure, their payment. It's systemic genocide against the Jews that is ignored by, by yeah. the Jewish people, the state of Israel, and the world. 100%. That's a great point, Gedalia. And that's why, and that's why I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame anybody but ourselves. Because, you know, you know shame on, you know, you, know, you, you do me wrong, shame on, on, on you. You know, do me wrong twice. What's this saying? You know, shame on me. And, and at, you know, at some point, you know, you could open up a newspaper from, from the 1900s, and you could see Arab terrorists slaughter Jews. The same thing's happening today. We haven't learned yet. We don't know what to do yet. We're just too weak. We don't, we're gonna, not doing what we need to do. I'm going I'm to take this into a different, uh, a different direction, taking to heart what Tila was just uh, talking about. Um, and believe it or not, my perspective is that we're, we're not even the story. That meaning the, the Jewish people, Israel, us settlers, we're not even the story. What, what Tila is talking about is something much deeper and believe it or not, much scarier. Because let's put things in perspective, all right? And this is something that's happening, but not just in, in America and Israel and other Western democratic countries as well. They're, they're calling America a racist country. Is there racism in America? Are there racists in America? For sure. Is America as a country racist? No way. No way. Is it, are there racists in Israel? Of course there are racists. Racists, there are always going to be people who are racist, no matter how much we educate. There are always going to be anti-Semites, no matter how much we educate. But is Israel as a country racist? No way. But yet you have these movements and you have a whole media establishment pushing stories, brainwashing the masses to believe that America is racist and that Israel is racist, right? Now, let's put things in perspective. There is actually a country in this world that is committing genocide, committing mass mass uh, um, incarceration of, of whole populations, 
And this leftist liberal world is silent. I'm referring to China. The, the, the Muslim Uyghurs are in concentration camps in China. There are no freedoms for, for anybody in China, even law-abiding Chinese citizens. And yet, not only is the leftist liberal corporate world that they all say that they're woke with their wonderful uh, liberal values, all the major US corporations used slave labor in China. Where's the outcry? Where's the outcry of the leftists in America? Where the outcry of the, of the leftists in Israel that are quick to call Trump Hitler and to call Netanyahu Hitler? It's like we, we, our societies are being brainwashed with these wonderful values that, that should be wonderful, but the hypocrisy screams to high heaven and it's selective. So their compassion goes out for cases that are made up in order to get them to believe certain things, but in true cases of where they should have compassion, whether it's the Muslim Uyghurs in China or whether it's Jewish settlers in Judea and Samaria who are being murdered because of systemic genocide by a fake cause called Palestine, the masses are being educated and brainwashed by an agenda-driven media that wants them to believe other things. So well, because it's about it's it, because it's about power. It's not about justice. It doesn't matter. That's it's it's all about gaining power, knocking down the institutions that aren't walking lockstep in and and you know what they're looking for. You know, and we're seeing this everywhere. We're seeing we're seeing the the battle between the the you know within the institutions. You see, you're talking about American culture, you, the government. The you know Hollywood, the press, all these major institutions that used to be kind of run on you know you know independently have now been kind of bullied in into this uh, this pigeonhole to say listen you know unless you give an Emmy to to uh, you know you, you know now you have to give an Emmy to a Hollywood movie that has uh, that has a certain amount of Mexicans in it or something it's crazy you know right, it's, it's, it's the new rules in terms yeah but in terms of israel if, you know if israel didn't do it it's not on the front page of uh, the new york times 100% you may mention the atrocities in china or pick any other country in the world you know half a million dead in syria if it's not something israel did or israel's involved with then it just does not make the front page you'll hear about it third hand you'll see it on page 8 of the paper you won't see it on the front page and we've seen that for years and years and years of the obsession of uh, of the western media on our tiny little country, the obsession at the United Nations. I know I just saw the list the, this week, the 2020 list of, I think it was Hill Neuer from, from uh, UN, UN Media Watch, UN Watch, uh, who put out the list of all the anti, uh, all the resolutions put out. I think it was a general, in this case, the General Assembly list of all the countries where Israel is, is, you know, 10 or 20 times more represented in terms of the number of UN resolutions passed against Israel than any of the other countries in the world, even Iran or China or whatnot. Uh, it's a world obsession. The UN uh, uh, human, so-called Human Rights Council with their item, line item number, number seven, each and every time they meet, they have a specific line item dedicated to the situation in Israel where you have wars going on all over the world in Ethiopia and Azerbaijan and in Syria and all these other places. If it's not Israel, if Israel, Israel's hands aren't on it, and it's not front-page news, and that's just the way it is. Uh, you know what, though? You know, let, let, me, let, me, let me just say a point, though, is that we're, we're right now writing the most beautiful story that in modern history that the world has ever seen, right? We're, we're, we're reestablishing our ancestral homeland. We've, we've dug up a, a, a dead language after 2,000 years. I mean, go to the supermarket, and, and, and even the toilet paper has Hebrew on it. I mean, this is... We're, we're living the most miraculous times. 
And you know what? If the world wants to focus on us, that just shows us how important we are. Whether, whatever it is, if they're being negative, they're being positive, it doesn't matter. You know what? We're, they're not indifferent to us because they know that we are one of the most, ama- we're, we're the most amazing story that ever happened. You know, that's what's going on right now. And yes, it, it certainly goes against the interest in a lot of certain people. Listen, a lot of Christians, a lot of Muslims, right? The, the, it becomes like this religious thing where you have these replacement theologists who believe that, that God had thrown the Jews out. At, you know, at the same time the Romans did, and we were the wandering Jew, and that's it. And now, all of a sudden, now the 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 Beit Hamikdash is now in, in in Vatican City, right? Now that's the center of 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 everything. But guess what? Everything that we're doing today is a complete 180 on everything that they believed in for the last 2,000 years. And so they're fighting. Why do you think there's so many different churches that are involved in the BDS movement, anti-Israel movements? It's only the Christian groups who, 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 who are without these, you know, political filters, whatever it is, that are actually supporting us. Well, I mean, that's, there's so many different spaces in that. But the point is like this. The point is I would much rather have Hill Neuer write a list of, 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 uh, of you know, UN sanctions against Israel that, and, and everybody in the world knows Israel exists and to not have them at all. Because I think overall that there is a silent majority of people out there who love their faith, who love the Jewish people, who love what we're doing here in Israel, and they just don't have a way to connect to it. And that's why we see the silent majority of people who are coming after us. But the cracks are, you're, but you're seeing the cracks in the narrative. You know, the cracks in the narrative about, about bringing Israel into the world and looking at, at Israel right now as miraculous, as a, as a light upon the nations. We're seeing this in the Arab world today. I mean, they're, they're not going to this old narrative anymore. The world is changing. And you know what? It doesn't bother me anymore, honestly. It used to bother me. Why are we being targeted? Why are we being targeted? You know what? At least we're, at least we're here. You know, there's no such thing as bad press, they say. And I think Israel needs all the press that we need because uh, there's a beautiful story and we need more people to get involved in writing it. Let me throw it back at all of you, because I believe what, what Gadalia just did was, was, was powerful and, it, and it's right on target. Every, we, we are here for a purpose in the land of Israel. The Jewish people are supposed to be here. And I think if any other generation, we can see it more clearly than ever. The world's getting lost. Morality is getting lost. Right. And here, with the, being the most inspiring story of humanity, the Jewish people returning to our homeland after 2,000 years of exile and persecution and everything we're able to do. So all this bad, well, now's our chance to sh- not just to shine, but to inspire the world to move forward. So the question is, all right, what, what's our purpose here now in order to help the, move, the world move forward, even though we're witnessing it going down? So, Gadali, you just mentioned that, that point, and then I want to hear uh, yeah, Josh and, and Tila. Tila, go ahead. Oh, she came on and disappeared. Yeah, so go for oh, it. Oh, there she is. Oh, well, I, oh, I just is. think it's amazing that you are recognizing that because I do think that when we talk about 2020, we think about the bad things that happened, but why, we need to focus on the good things that happened too. And like you said, Gedalia, we have peace now in the Middle East, which is unheard of. So it's true. There's always going to be people that hate us, but I do think there is a rise in anti-Semitism. I don't think we're imagining it. When we talk about Israel getting targeted, it has to do with the media and and the the fake news out there, let's say. But I will tell you, uh, I met some people walking in the street. We invited them over for Shabbat, Saturday lunch. They were not Jewish. 
but they like Trump. So my mom, for my mom, that's the magic word. And it was very interesting because they came over for lunch and told us that they had never, ever met Jewish people before and that they had heard of Jewish people and they've heard of Israel, but they never, ever met Jewish people before because they grew up in rural Montana. The conversation then led into all the wonderful things that Israel has done for the world. And I'm kind of not used to that. Like I'm used to having to defend Israel with my fellow Jewish friends, with some non-Jewish friends. And here I was with complete strangers explaining to them what Shabbat wine was and what challah was and what we do on a Saturday. And he was telling me about how incredible it was that the Israeli prime minister has 6 million vaccines for all of his citizens. And it's the leading country right now in the world of trying to eradicate COVID-19. So that the fact that he knew that, and it wasn't about how terrible Israel is to the Palestinians, I was impressed, but I was so pleasantly surprised. And I felt so good for the first time to sit with people who I didn't have to defend Israel in any way without them knowing anything. They had no preconditions, no preconceived notions. And here they were telling me the most incredible things about Israel and agriculture and drip irrigation and all the things that I try to tell them, they were telling me. So I agree, but there's still a lot of work to be done because in the United States, there's a terrible systematic anti-Semitic wave. And we can say that it's because of a lot of reasons. At the end of the day, People do love to hate the Jews, and hopefully we'll be, and history repeats itself, but hopefully we'll be able to fix that in the coming years. I just, just to add to that, I mean, there is not a week that goes by where I can't uh, find, and it's probably daily, but on a weekly basis when I look for things to talk about on my podcast, there's not a week that goes by where I cannot find a story about how Israel is contributing to the world community, whether it's in health, whether it's in medical devices, whether it's in uh, technology, whatever it is, whether it's providing water to you know, communities in the middle of Africa, Israel is, is a light into the nations. And despite what I said before, and I'm gonna stick to it in terms of that hate that we are getting in so many different quarters, uh, there's so many people out there who do understand it, do recognize it, and do appreciate it. Those who are the benefactors, uh, whether it's somebody who uh, turns on their laptop and realizes that the processor comes from Israel, or it's that, that family in the middle of Africa who doesn't have clean water until an Israeli company comes in and it helps them. But there are these stories. You can really find them if you look like on Israel 21C or so many other places. You can find them on a weekly or a daily basis, how Israel is contributing uh, to the world. And yes, we are at the top of that list in terms of the vaccinations. And I know sometimes the vaccination is a very sensitive topic in terms of people who are for or against and the whole Corona issue, COVID-19. But nevertheless, whether it's that issue or, or any other issue, you can see that Israel is truly opening up, opening up a field hospital in Haiti, being the first one out there thousands of miles away. I mean, these stories take place uh, on a daily, on a weekly basis, and we have to find them and share them. Can I also say I was I was speaking to a German a German Christian, okay. He he loves his Bible. He loves Israel. This guy is 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 he uh, he works uh, he works in Germany and he's like a liaison between uh, high tech and Israel in Germany. He brings high tech over there and he's in awe of the innovation that's going on here. And he told me that he's writing a book. He's writing a twelve chapter book, each chapter to highlight a specific company that does well for the world. 
And I said, that's great. And, and then I started talking about how, how, you know, does he know that, you know, you know, Avram Avinu, you know, Abraham was the father of all innovations. He's the father of the Jewish people. He's, he's, you know, he, he, he completely turned his world. I mean, what's innovation? Innovation is, is changing things to make this world a better place. And so after talking to him about, about Abraham, after talking to him about, about you know, my work in, 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 in helping rebuild uh, Judea and Samaria through, through business, through economy, he was so, he was like, you know what, this is the greatest innovation of all, of everything. He's, this guy works in high tech and he says, what you guys are doing in Judea and Samaria is the greatest innovation is by, it's like, it's like Dr. Frankenstein. We like this land was empty. It was dead. It was salted by the Romans. Nothing grew here. People weren't living here. It was always occupied by this person, that person, whatever. But now we're back and we're seeing the, the, this, the, this, the Jewish life. And the Bible come back to life. And guess what? This guy decided he's going to take one of these chapters from his 12th chapter book, and he's going to write it about the uh, Judea and Samaria and write about, uh, write about the revitalization of, uh, of Jewish life here. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Nice. All right, so how about we end up by just each going through and saying one final uh, inspiring thought um, uh, to end off this topic. Again, we started talking about Esther and went on Esther Horgan, who was, who was unfortunately murdered, uh, trying to keep her memory alive, uh, then went on into the, the, the more macro view of it all. Let's give some inspiration. Josh, go for it. Start. Inspiration. Let's see. Um, I'm going to say that uh, you people inspire me. The work that you guys are doing, Avi, Gedalia, Atila. Everyone else who's not on this Judean roundtable, I would just encourage the people out there who are watching this right now. I mean, go to the Facebook pages, go to the Twitter feeds of everyone who is part of this Judean roundtable, whether they're here today or, you know, all of our friends who join us uh, on a regular basis. And we don't do this enough, but just go check out what everyone is doing, how everyone is contributing to Zionism, modern day Zionism, pioneerism here in the land of Israel. Go check it out. Get a, uh, you know, be a part of it, whether it's, you know, Yishai and Hebron or whatever it is, you know, go, go check out what everyone's doing. And you're really, I think you, you'll be inspired just by the work of, of so many people here in the Judean Roundtable and, and other activists who uh, are dedicating their time and their lives towards the advancement of the Jewish people here uh, in the land of Israel and throughout the world. So just go, go check out what everyone's doing and, uh, you know, give them a like and, and get and be a part of it. You don't, you don't have to be an our, uh, an armchair quarterback, you can get involved as well. There are many, many, many ways to pick a tone. Whatever it is, get, get involved in what everyone is doing. That's what I would uh, end up by saying. Amen. Tila, go for it. I want to thank you guys for keeping all this time that we've been home in a way connected because I have never spent so much time away from Israel. It's the first time in my life that I haven't been able to go to Israel whenever I wanted. And it's really hard because my heart aches to be there and my soul is used to being there and it's been a hard time. You guys have kept me connected through the Judean Roundtable, through all your Facebook posts, all your social activism that you have online. And um, I thank you guys for doing it. It keeps things interesting, but it also keeps us together. I agree with Josh. We live in a time where we spoke about innovation. Innovation can mean so many things, but 
I have learned to use Zoom and social media to do many wonderful things and keep people connected. Um, I'll tell you this, which is a personal thing, but I'm going to share it with you guys here. Um, there is an organization called Ateret Koanin, which buys back Jewish properties from Arabs and has Jewish families move in and live there. One of my closest friends in Israel, if not my best friend in Israel, lives in a place called Kfar Shiloh, which is a, a, an Arab village in East Jerusalem. And she has been on lockdown with her kids all the time that you guys have been for so long. And as it is, she lives very restricted and has to go in and out in an armored vehicle. And she was telling me how her body was aching just from not moving around and not being able to go outside and not being able to do anything. And I have a very good friend who teaches Pilates in Miami. So if you check my Facebook, my Instagram post from yesterday, actually, it's a Pilates class of a friend in Miami who's an instructor, me in Puerto Rico, because this is where we spend our, a lot of our time in our family's home, and my friend in Kfar Shiloh in Israel taking a Pilates class together. To me, it was so much more than just an exercise class and women coming together. It's a way of connecting our communities, making it real, bringing it back to the basics. Everybody needs a little bit of normalcy in their lives, whether it be exercise or social interaction. And this technology helped us come together and helped each, each one of these women in a different way. Some financially, they, their, their businesses are closed and the Pilates studio needed some innovation. For me, it was bringing my friends together, keeping me connected to Israel. And for my friend in Farah it was a moment of sanity that she needed for herself physically and spiritually. So I think that um, it's very important to just keep connected, keep moving forward, use your technology and every form of social media that you have to do good, whether it's on a one-on-one -on -one or if it's a one to a million, that's what we need to do for each other and for humanity and for the Jewish community. And the, and the people in Israel who we love to support emotionally, financially, and in, spiritually in every way, but you're giving us that too. So I thank you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Gedalia, go for it. All right. So, you know, when we were talking about uh, Esther Horgan before and how, how much of a beautiful person she was and how much value and, and inspirations that she brought to people and how much she helped them, I thought in my mind, you know, these Arabs must be very smart. They just take the angels from us. They take the ones that are so special. And then, and then Tila tells us about her Shabbat story, about that she finds somebody walking by and they connect it and they talk. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what? Like, people are really beautiful. You know, people have stories. People have histories, experiences that we just don't have enough time or we do have the time we just don't put any energy into actually like talking to the person walking down the street or or even through social media connecting with somebody you know you could go on facebook facebook messenger and you could press the you know you could press the the uh the video button and have a, a live video call like instantly like i've been connecting with people recently uh through through this new initiative that i'm involved in and i'll tell you what i haven't been so inspired in a long time hearing people's stories and i think that it's really important that we as people can reconnect to what actually makes us people and that's our social uh our social connections with people and not on a superficial level i'm talking about we should really invest more time 
into reconnecting with the people of our past, the people of our present, and build new relationships with the people of our future. Because I really truly believe that there's a lot of people like Esther Horgan out there, and we just only learn about them when their story is being told afterwards. So I think it's important to know that there's many great souls around you, people walking by you, they have struggles, they might be, you know, they might look mean and angry, but maybe they're just having a bad day, but they might be like the, the most amazing people. And I think that we should, we should, we should, we should take back our humanity in this after COVID. We need to take it back. So uh, I'll end in, in addition to saying uh, thank you and agreeing with each and every one of your uh, inspiring messages. I want people to leave inspired with this view. <laughs> the, the actual view of the Judean hills. That's actually like a picture out like in the area of Tekoa, out in my backyard, the Judean desert. Um, and, and I'll leave people not only with this view and in addition to everything you've said, but a, a, a very, very short word of, of Torah connected to what we're reading in the in, in the parsha. Oh, they see Gedalia's putting a nice view on behind you here. We'll put everyone, let's put everyone on. You can see it. That's Haley. That's Eli. That's right. And the Shomron. So here you got Judea, and there behind Gadali, you have the Samaria. Awesome. We got Judea and Samaria. And you were interested in Puerto Rico? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a quick inspiring message from uh, from from this week's Torah portion. We are about to finish up the book of Genesis and about to begin the rest of the four books. And there is a very, if you think about it, we're on a high, yet we're on a low. We're on a high because basically the Jewish people have been saved. The, the children of, of, of Jacob have been saved, saved from famine. Where, where are we? We're now in Egypt, right? Because of Joseph becoming the leader of Egypt. Now, this basically encapsulates life itself and definitely the story of the Jewish people because you got, because you got good and bad in the same package and you have to know how to deal with both. Because if you think about it, and I hardly ever thought about this before, last week's Parsha Vayigash is the last time the Jewish people are in the land of Israel for the rest of the five books of Moses, right? It's the first of the five books of Moses, and then we got another four left. We're not in the land of Israel for the next four books. We only return to the land of Israel with the book of Joshua, the prophets, so it's mind-blowing. Here, Israel is such a central a point, a place in our, in our identity as a Jewish people, yet for four-plus books of the books of, of the of, of five books of Moses, we're not in the land of Israel. So here you could say, oh my God, we're in Egypt. It's horrible. Well, on the one hand, it's horrible, but on the other hand, we're, we're slaves in Egypt. On the other hand, God told us, listen, you're going to be there for 400 years, and that's where you're going to be made into the people of Israel, into B'nai Israel, to then be able to be worthy and enter the land of Israel. And this is so important because, again, as I said, we have the positive and the negative in the same package, and sometimes it's hard for people to unpackage that on a psychological level. And here we talk about the inspiration of Israel, the inspiration about Esther Horgan, who was just murdered, but yet she was just murdered which is horrible. And we talk about the growth of anti-Semitism, but yet the inspiring growth of the Jewish people being back in our homeland, Israel, and the good we're bringing to humanity. And this is just something that we, we have to deal with. And, and God gave it to us in the Bible. Yeah, there are going to be bad things and good things mixed together. Know how, to, know how to think it through where sometimes bad things happen in order for a greater picture to be able to be, to be developed. And it's up to each and every one of us to not only focus on that big picture and the positive picture, but make that positive happen. And definitely 
keeping in mind this wonderful view of Judea and the wonderful view of Samaria and the beautiful stories of the Jewish people being in the land of Israel, that should inspire each and every one of us to be the best Jews and the best people we can be and look to Israel as inspiration to being able to help humanity and not just internalize and be upset about the sad, but but compartmentalize and say, okay, that sad is there, but it's for us to, to show the good and, and, and move forward. So uh, thank you to each and every one of you. And uh, until thank the you. next year, Dan, okay, well. Next year, right. the secular year. Next secular year, all right. Shalom, shalom. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Stay Bye, safe. Everybody.